0: All right, so Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin with the first verse. Luke chapter 2. This is the word of the Lord. Let's give it our attention. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cornelius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that they had been told concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you. We would not know any of this if you had not told us. But Lord, we know it. And it's so familiar to us, it sometimes can be even harder for it to sink in. Lord, so I pray that it would. Please, Holy Spirit, enable me to rightly preach your word. And Lord, I pray for their ears and their hearts that, again, these words would be surprising that the wonder of what happened 2,000 years ago would be wonderful in their minds and hearts and that you would impact them as you intend to do today. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to tell you what happened on Friday, January 12, 2007. On that morning at 7.51, a man opened his violin case standing by a trash can in the corner of a Washington, D.C. metro, pulled out his violin and began to play. And uh, as he played, a whole bunch of commuters went right past him and ignored him. And uh, for basically the whole time he played. Now, is this shocking to you? Probably not. right, there have been lots of street musicians, and they play and people just go about their business because they're in a hurry. Now, if I told you who it was, I think you might be more surprised. Who is the identity of this man in jeans, a long-sleeved t-shirt, and a, a baseball cap? Well, you might be more surprised to know it was the Grammy-winning Joshua Bell, a great violinist. He was playing on his Stradivarius made in 1713, 1713, a priceless violin in the Metro foyer. 1,097 people passed in his 43 minute concert you want to know how many stopped well 27 put money in totaling 32 dollars and 17 cents yes some people put pennies in i mean realize normally he was playing in the greatest concert halls of america and europe people are walking three feet away from him to get to their metro i have no idea completely oblivious at the very end, one single person recognized him and said, I saw you in concert. You were amazing. He's, he's playing in this Metro some of the most difficult violin pieces ever written. No one applauds. I mean, he awkwardly, when he finished, they, they videotaped the whole thing. This was all a stunt put on by the Washington Post. You can find it online. There's a video of the whole thing. And people are just zooming right past. No clue. And he finishes, no one applauds, and so he just kind of starts his next piece. Isn't that unbelievable? Unbelievable. It's true. You can look it up. Well, similarly, when Jesus was born that first Christmas, people in Bethlehem were busy going to work doing their normal, ordinary thing, and nobody noticed. They had no idea who was right there in front of them. This morning, we're looking at the ridiculously ordinary birth of Christ. And I don't know if any of you, you you probably weren't in that metro 15 years ago, but maybe you can relate. Have you ever looked in the pantry and you're trying to find something and it's right in front of your face? The wives are laughing because their husbands have and they had to go find it for them. So even this very morning, (laughs) I was trying to find printer paper to print this sermon. The printer was out of paper. I looked through the entire office. It's nowhere. My wife says it's right on top of the filing cabinet, literally right in front of me. Two packs of it sitting right there. So I don't know if you can relate with that. But we as humans have an unbelievable ability to miss things that are right there in front of us. So it was when Jesus was born. We're dividing our time. You see this outline on page seven. In two parts. First, the ridiculously ordinary birth of Christ. The first seven verses. And then, the extraordinary birth of Christ. The rest of the passage. Let's begin with the first. The ridiculously ordinary birth of Christ. By anyone's standards the circumstances of jesus's birth were a train wreck they were a train wreck i mean it wasn't enough that jesus was born under this huge cloud of scandal look at verse five what did it say verse five said so he went to be registered with mary his betrothed who is with child well that's awkward most engaged couples don't aren't pregnant This was a disgrace to both them and their family. But if that wasn't enough, they have to travel 90 miles to go to Bethlehem. Why are they traveling? It's not for vacation. It's because of Caesar Augustus thought it'd be a good idea. Why? Because he wants to tax everybody. Great. So women, just imagine if you've had a child at the end of your pregnancy riding on a donkey 90 miles. That would not be a fun trip. So there they are. Mary, when the angel appeared to her, this is, this is Luke 1, she said these words, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to thy word. Well, that sounds really nice. She had no idea what she was saying. She didn't realize what, all that she would go through, right? That she would have to travel all this way. And then where does she give birth? She gives birth in a stable around cow pies. That is not what, I mean, anyone who has delivered, it's a hard process, but you have a sterile room and everything is nice. This was no delivery room. Why did this happen? I mean, Jesus suffered from the very moment he came into the world. Why did he do this? We read this in 2 Corinthians 8 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was rich in heaven, for your sake he became poor, so that by your, by, That by his poverty, you may become rich. And I wanted to, from the very beginning, just to apply this. Do you suffer? Do you suffer in your health? Do you have any health trouble? Do you suffer in your marriage? Your relationship with your parents? Some of your children might relate. Or even adults might relate with your relationship with your parents or with your children. Do you suffer in your work life, your financial life, your emotional life? By now, I've included all of you, right? We've all fit that in some way. Jesus suffered from the very day he was born. And it didn't stop, did it? It only got worse, actually. It ended at the cross. Jesus suffered a whole lot. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So that should be comforting to you. Jesus, born in difficult circumstances, lived his whole life as a poor man in difficult circumstances. And so he can relate to you no matter what, in whatever way you're suffering, he can relate to you. But now, I actually said it was not just ordinary, but ridiculous. What makes this ridiculous? Kids, any guesses? Why would this, why would I say it's ridiculous? It's in this way. Who was he? What was his identity? What was his identity? None of you would want to deliver in these circumstances, but you are delivering Jesus, right? He was God. Now, what honor was he due? So just so you can contrast the honor he received and the honor he was due, what was he due? It would have been right for every human being on the entire planet to be there, bowing down, worshiping him. And additionally, remember um, at Noah's Ark, kids, you remember Noah? Remember the animals came two by two? Every animal should have come and bowed down, right? They, Jesus created them. You should have all of humanity, all the animals, everyone bowing down, and that would have been far too small honor for God coming to earth. We just, as humans, don't have the capacity to give God the glory that he's due. Of course, this isn't what happened. This isn't what happened at all. I mean, the only guys that came were three wise men from far away, but at least... Maybe the people of God, they should have been ready, right? They had thousands of years of prophecy. They should have all been waiting. Like families should have been passing down, you know, Messiah decorations. We're going to have, you're going to have a big party. If it's not my lifetime, kids, I'll give it to you maybe in your lifetime. They should have been ready. I don't know if you've ever been to a surprise party. I've been to one. I've been to a number of them, right? What does the host do at the surprise party? They get, they get word. Hey, everyone, they're five minutes out. Everyone be ready. Go hide, right? They want everyone to be ready. The Jewish religious leaders should have been like those hosts, shouldn't they? They said, hey, if anyone hears of any um, young women who aren't married, who are, who are pregnant, and they're from the line of David, hey, would someone let us know? We just, we want to be ready. I mean, don't you think an angel appearing to both Mary and Joseph should have given everyone a good idea? No one was ready. And we've read, we've been studying through Mark, how the Jewish religious leaders, were they ready? No, the opposite. Right? They hated Jesus. He was despised. Herod tried to kill him. Yeah, no one was worshiping this Jesus. So it was the exact opposite of what he should have received. The exact opposite of what he should have received. That's sad. So I mean, I hope you see that contrast. That just all, we, it's so familiar, like, yeah, of course. You know, there's some shepherds and some wise men. But it shouldn't have been like that. And we have, we're getting closer, right? We're gathering as we celebrate, and we're worshiping. There are people all around the world that gather each Sunday. Right? So that's good. It's a good thing. But there's still a lot of people that aren't. Right? What are people? most people doing in their homes right now? They aren't worshiping Jesus. Even though they have a Christmas tree and they're opening all these presents, they aren't worshiping. But it should be like that. It should have been like that. You know, back to the surprise party. Imagine a surprise party where... The, sur- the surprise birthday boy or girl arrives and no one notices. Now that would be really awkward. Right? Everyone's just partying and having a great time and they come in and every- the party just goes on and they're ignored. That would be pretty, pretty weird. That's exactly what happened with Jesus. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, the incarnation was an absolute train wreck from a human perspective, John 1 tells us this. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. Now, I don't know if you enjoy Christmas decorations. I really like them. We have all kinds of Christmas decorations. Do you decorate your house for Christmas? You don't have to. It's fine if you don't, but it's a lot of fun. And hopefully, as you do, because no one was decorating that first Christmas. There were no decorations when Jesus was born. But hopefully as we do this, and we have Christmas trees. Kids, do you have a Christmas tree? I have a Christmas tree there with lots of ornaments on it. It's great. In presents, we give gifts just like on anyone else's birthday. We make a big deal out of this holiday. May all this drive us to have greater zeal for Jesus, the one whose birthday we celebrate. May he not show up to his own party and no one even notice. You do know he's coming back, don't you? He's coming back. Did anyone tell you? He came, so everyone thought in the Old Testament, oh, he's just going to come once. He came once, but he's coming a second time. And so as we celebrate Sunday by Sunday, Christmas by Christmas, we are looking back to remember the Advent, expectation, but we're looking forward to him coming again. I hope that is going on in all of your hearts. May you be encouraged. Now what's cool about this is, this Christmas fell on the Lord's Day. And so we're doing both. We're both celebrating his birthday And then, remember the Lord's Day was celebrating His resurrection. We're doing both in the same day. What better way to celebrate someone's birthday than worship them all together? But He will come back as an exalted warrior. May we learn something from the failure of the Jews. They were not ready. They were not prepared. And so hopefully now we get another shot, right? Are we ready? If you've been with us, we talked about this just last week. Do you remember the um, Lord's Supper? No, no, maybe it was a couple weeks ago. Do you remember when we talked? It was um, Mark thirteen twenty four to thirty seven. If you weren't here, you can find the sermon online. But he talked about his second coming. This was on the Olivet Discourse. I'm sorry, it was a couple weeks ago. Do you remember he said, "I'll come back"? And he gave that parable of the tenant. He owned land. He went away, and he said that he, you never know when he's coming back. You should be ready. And he said four times, "Stay awake, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake." Stay awake. And we talked about practical ways to do that. And so we should be staying awake spiritually. One of the ways is what we're doing right now. We gather together and we pray and we praise, we sing together and we listen to the word preached and it helps us be ready. Do you remember the other practical applications we made? There's three realms in your spiritual life. One is church, you're doing that right now. The second smaller is your family, fathers. May you be teaching and leading your family. Read the Bible with them. That is one of the important ways we stay awake. Then the third way is the smallest is read your Bible on your own day by day. And so in those three ways, we stay awake. This is the way we prepare for the Lord's return. Well, thankfully, his birth wasn't only ridiculously ordinary. And when I it also had some extraordinary aspects. Let's look at the second point, the extraordinary birth of Christ. Looking at the second half of the passage. So you imagine there's Mary Who's just had this baby but how did they get there let's go back there was one extraordinary you remember the um the whole census this is fascinating to think about do you realize god moved to make this census to move all these people all over the place so that one couple could get 90 miles to bethlehem they had to get there to fulfill a prophecy that said the baby would be born in bethlehem isn't that interesting That God did all this, and the primary purpose was to move one couple 90 miles. I guarantee a pregnant woman is not going to want to ride a donkey for 90 miles unless the Romans tell her to. And so, that's what happened. So, we're back there. She's just delivered. She's laying there exhausted. No epidural, ladies. She just had this baby with a stench of cattle dung, completely unnoticed by anyone, except we have a birth announcement to one group of people who was the one group of people that got the birth announced kids you can say it who were the one people that got the birth announced they were shepherds very good the shepherds now you might have a romantic notion of them you have them in your little nativity they look like nice little people right they were like they were stinky they hung around all day with sheep sheep aren't very clean they smell bad and uh what i was trying to think of some modern equivalent maybe homeless people so like imagine in Charleston, the only people in all of Charleston who gets the announcement of Jesus' arrival is a group of homeless people. Isn't that interesting? I mean, they're, that's the best I can come up with. It's the equivalent. They weren't trusted, the shepherds, and they are the ones who receive this message. What do you learn from this? One thing you should learn is God cares about the people that no one else cares about. If your occupation is not something you think is like the greatest thing in the world— You know what, it really doesn't matter. Jesus is not impressed. God is not impressed with whatever you do, right? He came, he gave the great honor to the lowliest. And we see this pattern all through Jesus' life. He honored the lowliest. So no matter what your station or position in life is, God loves you. If you're made in the image of God, and everyone I'm looking at is made in the image of God, all humans are, then you are important to God. You were very important to him, and he gave this honor to the shepherds. Okay, so what did the angels say? Let's look at that. They said, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Good news is very close to the Greek word for gospel. Good news. He brings us the gospel. The God who created God created everything. And for thousands of years, things have been a mess. And finally, he inserts himself into it. He intervenes. Now, what makes this such great joy? It says, good news of great joy. It is that he came to die for his people's sins. That was the main reason he came. Did he teach a bunch of good things? Absolutely. Did he heal a bunch of people? Absolutely. Did he feed a bunch of people with with dividing bread? Sure. But the number one reason that Jesus came was to die. First people, he had to die because I'm a sinner. You've heard some of the stories of my sin. (laughs) Hey, if if we're here long enough, there'll be more. You too are a sinner, aren't you? Have you obeyed all God's laws? No, that's why Jesus had to come. He had to insert himself into history to die a perfect man so that we don't have to. At Christmas, his 33-year journey began to the cross our salvation was sure. Help had arrived. I don't know if you tell your children, as I do, hey, everything's gonna be okay. Daddy is here. Have you ever said that? Everything's gonna be okay. Mommy's here, right? And you, you embrace your child. Well, I say to you, everything is gonna be okay. God is here. Everything is gonna be okay. From the moment Jesus arrived, we were guaranteed salvation because he, he, he accomplishes everything he starts. He walked those 33 years and died on the cross, accomplished our salvation. He rose to heaven and there intercedes on our behalf. Everything is gonna be okay. God is here. That is the greatest, greatest gift of Christmas. Jesus has come. Look at verse 11. The angels go on and says, but unto you born this day in the city of David, okay, that's Bethlehem, a savior, Who is Christ? Christ is another word for Messiah. The long-awaited Messiah, the Lord. Is he your Lord? Does he call the shots in your life? I hope he does. He intends to be our Lord, to be in the driver's seat. Some of you are pilots. I doubt you give those controls to just anyone, do you? For good reason, and I'm glad you didn't. So also, you don't give these controls to just anyone. Would you please give them to Jesus? He is worthy. He can fly that plane better than you can. Would you let him in the pilot seat? Look at the verses after that. So verse 14. So suddenly, there was with that angel a full sky of angels. And they're all saying together, glory to God in the highest. That's right. Somebody got it right. The angels got it right. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth... Peace. Well, that's good. Who gets the peace? Look at that verse. What does it say? And peace among those whom he is pleased? You mean he's not bringing peace to everyone? What did the angel say? The angel didn't say that. He said he's bringing peace to those who he's pleased. You might think, oh, we're in trouble. I certainly don't please God. Well, if hopefully your theology will eliminate that meaning, is it that God brings peace to those who are the good people? people that live good lives what do you think i hope you say no scripture says no it says it very clear it says in romans chapter 3 it says none is righteous no not one no one understands no one seeks god that includes you sorry all have turned aside together they've become worthless no one is good no not even one okay so we ruled that out there's two possible meanings so we just ruled out one that he brought peace to those in whom he's pleased. So it's not because they have done good. What's the other option? What's the other option? The other option is those whom he has placed his pleasure on. Does it make sense? That God is able to place his pleasure on. His delight, his love. Romans five eight says this: God shows His love for us in that while you were yet a sinner, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What that means is God initiated. Isn't it interesting? This angel is giving this little clue to election: the fact that God has actually placed His love on people. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That should be bring you encouragement. If you're a believer, the way you're a believer is because God pursued you, and now you're a Christian, and the. the Jesus brought peace, peace for you because he loved you. He loves you. I think that's pretty cool. This is good news of great joy, isn't it? Don't we need peace? Peace in our hearts so we know that we'll never, we never have to worry about God's wrath. Glory to God in the highest. Okay, so what happened next? Look at verse 15. So the angels leave. What do the, the um, shepherds do? They say, well, hey, let's get over to Bethlehem. And see this thing that's happened. Now, how are they going to know where to find Jesus? I mean, there are probably a lot of babies born. There's knocking on every door. Well, thankfully, in verse 12, the angel gave a sign. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying where? Kids, you know, where was the baby lying? In a manger. That's right. Most babies don't lie in mangers. So that really narrows down our field. So now the, the uh, shepherds are probably going Barn to barn, cave to cave, oftentimes animals lived in caves at this time, looking for a baby. Well, finally they find Mary and Joseph. Right? And so our story continues. What happens next? So they come and they see. They come and they see Jesus. I mean, the whole spectrum about to be, wow, I mean, think about Mary before this. How might she felt? She's just given birth among animals with a stench of of cattle. I mean, I imagine she could have felt like, man, God's rejected me. Now, God is not with us anymore. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like God is not with me anymore? I know I felt like that. I imagine you have. That God has forgotten me. And so God sent these shepherds, these stinky shepherds, to bring this message to say, born this night is a Savior, Christ the Lord. I'm sure this was a really big encouragement to them, to both Mary and Joseph. How do you know that God has not abandoned you? Think about it for a second. How do you know that God has not abandoned you in your life? I'll give you one word, Christmas. That's how you know that God has not abandoned you. He sent his one and only son to earth because he loved you. And so when things are hard, remember that God loves you. He sent his son. Christmas is more than just a bunch of gifts. It is the greatest gift. Well, Then look what happens next. Look at 18 and 20. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I bet they did. Look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Look what Mary did in verse 19. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. This was such encouragement to her. God has remembered. God has remembered us. It's going to be okay. God is here. It's going to be okay. God is here. Philippians 2 says this so well. Listen to this. Though he, being Jesus, was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then God, it says, therefore God is highly exalted and bestowed on him the name that's above every name. There's no name greater than the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. It's gonna happen in the end. I pray that it would happen willingly. You can bow your knee now willingly or in the end when he comes, you'll be terrified and you will bow the knee in in terror. So this Christmas, I invite you with bow the knee to Jesus. That's why you're here. Most of you, but there might be a few of you who haven't, who haven't bent the knee to Christ. You're still in the pilot seat holding on to those controls, fearing that someone else might make a mess of it, like Jesus. He won't. But kids, I ask you one more time, whose birthday are we celebrating today? Jesus. I hope you enjoy the rest of this day celebrating his birthday. This is one of the most unique birthdays of the year, isn't it? Every other birthday, the birthday boy or girl is there, right? In this one, we're waiting for their arrival, just like a surprise party. And we open up all the gifts without them. We give gifts to each other as we remember Jesus. I don't know if you ever try this. You could sing happy birthday to Jesus. And while you do, watch and see if he shows up before the song's over. He hasn't yet, but he might. One day, he will. He's just going to show up so unexpectedly. It really is his birthday. You know, what's cool is that that good news of great joy has spread all the way from Bethlehem in the Middle East, kids, if you know your geography, to Cane Bay on the East Coast in the United States. That's more than 90 miles. It has spread all the way here so that I and you could know this good news of great joy, that we would have a reason to really celebrate. I'm so thankful for it. Now, I know your life often feels more like verse 1 through 7 than 8 through 20, doesn't it? It feels more like the ridiculously ordinary. It doesn't feel like spectacular. How many of you had big angels appear to you? I don't see any hands. Doesn't it feel ordinary? Don't you get discouraged sometimes and feel like, what's the point? I just keep going on. There's health problems, marriage problems, relational problems, work problems, on and on and on. I pray that by faith, You believe the message of the angels. For indeed we have received good news of great joy. Jesus really came. Do you believe that? That Jesus really came as a man. He really grew up and he really died for your sins. So you don't have to pay for them. Someone will have to pay for each of your sins. And I don't want it to be you. Jesus invites you to give you your life, your sins, so he may save you. I know that our life is extremely, painfully ordinary. But there are a few times in history when God has broken through, and this was one of those. My, My desire is that you would not miss what's happening, but you're gonna have to slow down to hear the music. Or you might just rush past Joshua Bell and some shepherds and some wise men And Jesus himself, please slow down. And that's why you're here. You've slowed down on this Christmas morning to hear this word preached to you. And I pray that it would encourage your hearts, that those that do not have Christ, you would get the greatest gift possible, salvation. That you would know him to be your Lord and Savior. And if he is your Lord and Savior, you'd be encouraged to know it is gonna be okay. Everything is gonna be okay. God is here. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you invaded our world among cow pies as a baby. To grow up, to die a sinner's, terrible criminal's death for me. Lord, thank you that you love me. Thank you you love all of us. Lord, I pray that every single person that hears my voice this morning would receive the greatest gift possible this Christmas of salvation. That they would get out of the pilot seat and let you run their life. That they would acknowledge their sin and receive salvation. And for everyone that has, I pray they'd be encouraged by this gift that will never break. The batteries won't wear out. Lord, thank you for the gift of Christ. We worship you together as the angels did this morning. Lord, fill us with great joy for the good news that we have received. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.